Well, good morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wake the person up beside you. Okay, we'll try it again. Here we go. Good morning. All right. Man, it's good to be here today. It's great to be here on Resurrection Sunday. I want to say one more time a huge thank you to Rhonda and Harlan and to all these kids and what they did this morning. Yeah. Let me just uh, give you a couple of things that that we've got going on here uh, this week. One of them is that we have uh, we're going to be going to the Mescalero Care Center, and that's going to be this coming uh, Wednesday. That's one of the cool things we get to do uh, here in Rudoso, the Gateway Church Christ, along with several other about oh maybe half a dozen other churches in our village. We go and we do ministry there on Wednesday mornings, and that's just kind of mushroomed and grown, and Don's going to come with us on Wednesday morning, he's going to play a few hymns on his guitar, and we'll sing with those people, and then we'll have a short lesson, and we'll uh, pray with them, and so if you're available, Wednesday morning at 9.15, meet us here in the parking lot, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to be blessed by those people, and last time Gary went with us, were you blessed? Man, I was too, I'll tell you. So if you're able to go, Wednesday morning at 9.15, I think you'll be blessed. Also, next week, Amy and I will be gone. We're going to go on vacation and make a few good memories together with our family for spring break. And so we won't be here with you. We'll miss you, and we'll also enjoy being away from you at the same time. Uh, Man, I, I feel sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. That's tough. It's hard. Dennis Moore will be preaching next week. And so you're in for a great treat with Dennis getting preached next week. We're so blessed to have uh, Dennis and Jim and others that teach and preach here. I'm thankful for all of them. Well, if you're visiting, and I know a lot of you are today, we're in our series called Come to the Table. And we've actually had this table up in the middle, and we've been in a big circle, but we changed it today because of the play so that everybody could see the stage. But we've been centering our lessons for the last five weeks around this table right here. And around different times when Jesus ate with people. And we're going to finish that today by looking at John 21. Another thing we've been doing is we've been inviting a few people to come to the table. We've been getting to know them and asking them a few questions. And today I'm really excited that we're going to get to hear from... And I'm going to need a microphone, by the way. Quick, uh, quick there. Uh, need a wireless mic. Well, he could use this mic. Never mind, this mic right here. And so I'm really uh, thankful to get to invite this person to come. If you don't know him, you're going to get to know him a little bit. And that's my good brother, Jim Bradburn. Would you guys give him a big welcome? Jim, come on up here and have a seat. Well, if you don't know, Jim is a chef. And he has blessed our church on a number of occasions with uh, some banquets. And let me tell you, we're, we're talking about some delicious, amazing food. If you ever get a chance to go to one of this guy's banquets, don't miss it, okay? And he's worked at some of the finest restaurants in the area and other towns and cities as well. But now, today, he works in a different place. And I want, Jim, I want you to tell these guys uh, about where you work and, and what that means to you about where you work. Right now, I'm currently employed at the care center where uh, John's talking about going on Wednesday. Um, I think uh, for me, it's, it's gratifying being out there and taking care of the residents. You know, a lot of people don't understand that they eat first with their eyes before they pick up a fork and put the food in their mouth. And so for a lot of our residents out there that, that are, you know, have a, have a tough time eating, you know, it's, presentation is everything. So, I mean, we do simple things like pipe the mashed potatoes on the plate with a pastry bag instead of just scooping them on the plate. You know, we, we shingle the meatloaf on the plate instead of just 
laying it on there. So, you know, presentations, everything. And so we tend to, uh, the residents tend to eat more. We have to track their weight and their, their, uh, their fluid consumptions to make sure they're eating and they're getting the nutrition that they need. And since I've been there uh, with my tracking and my percentages, I, I've noticed that they, they're eating more and they're not losing as much weight. Um, I don't do it by myself. I've got a staff, and, you know, we've got to teach them how to do all that as well. And so that's what they're doing today. They're over there, <laughs> and I'm here at church. They're working so. for you, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good news. I think that's good news for a lot of people here. Maybe some of you ladies in here that uh, you have, a, you know, a tough time cooking. Just present the food nice. It doesn't matter what it tastes like, okay? That's, that's the deal here. That's all you got to do. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But I know that's true. That's really true. And every time I've sat down to eat, even I went to eat at Jimmy, uh, at, at Jimmy and Rochelle's house, and, I mean, they did the same thing at their house for Amy and I and the kids. They just laid out all this amazing stuff. They cut it special and made little swans and little divers, you know. No, I don't think you did any of that. But, anyway, something like that. You know, it was all kind of cool stuff that you did. And, and so that's really awesome. And, it, and, it's, and it's pretty cool that you're doing this out at the care center for, what do you got, about uh, 30 or 40 residents probably? Well, the, the facility holds 40 residents in the nursing side, and there's eight on the uh, assisted living side. But currently, I think we have about 44 in the building total. Yeah, about 44. And then, and you and you are responsible for feeding them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Is that correct? 365 days out of the year. There you go. Okay. Now, tell me what is either one of your favorite things to make, or what do you find that the people there, it's one of their favorite meals to eat? Dessert. <laughs> <laughs> We, we have to watch it sometimes because, uh, you know, we used to put the dessert out first. Well, you know, if it's like ice cream, you know, they'll, they'll definitely eat the ice cream first. But, uh, you know, we have to kind of wait. We'll leave it on the trays. Uh, some of the residents, they like dessert so well they'll go and eat somebody else's dessert, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, it's, there's a lot of fun with, with preparing desserts because, you know, a lot of people don't understand, too, that a lot of people are, on, are diabetic. They can't have sugar. Right. And so Splenda is one of the, the best uh, sugar substitutes there is. And so... We give it to everybody, and nobody knows the difference, you know, that it, it comes out so well that they all enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that's but, awesome. But, yeah, I think dessert, I mean, every, nobody doesn't like dessert, I don't think. Sure, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. That's good. Well, maybe you got one, maybe you got something, one story or one person or one example of how meaningful this can be for you as a chef. I mean, it's your job, but it's a meaningful job. It has a lot of, uh, it's not just a paycheck. There's a lot more to it. Well, you know, I had left the care center and went back to one of these restaurants that John mentioned, and... Uh, uh, for the money, and I found that it um, it's not all about the money. That's right. um, I knew it was going to be tough. <laughs> You're doing good. You know, when I, got, when I got back to the care center, there was a few uh, residents that were just, their eyes lit up when they saw me. Yeah. I don't know, that was it. That means a lot, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it means a lot. Would you guys give Jim a big hand? Thank you, Jim. We appreciate what you do. You know, lots of you in here in this room, you prepare meals for people three times a day, 365 days out of the year. But for most of us, for the majority of those of you that prepare meals, uh, you're preparing them for us, and we could prepare a meal for ourselves. Now, it would be a sad meal if I was preparing it for myself, you know. Uh, burnt toast and some Cheerios, you know, are pretty, pretty good. I mean, I, I can handle that usually. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jimmy Bradburn is preparing meals for people who can't prepare meals for themselves. And that's what God did. 
That's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. And that's what we're going to talk about today in John chapter 21. So let's pray. And then we're going to read our text. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you for the blessing of this church family. I thank you, God, for these children. I pray that this story, this play that they did today will sink deep into their hearts. That instead of just sitting and sitting in a pew and hearing words that as they participated and they did this, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would mightily, powerfully make this part of who they are. That they would walk all the days of their life believing that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Thank you for them, God. Thank you for a church family like this where we could do something like this, where we're not so stuck in tradition, we're not so stuck in our pews being in the certain way that we can only do what we've always done before. I give you praise, God, for our leadership. Thank you for these elders who allow us, who allow us to experience one another and to experience you. Thank you, God. Lord, we love you. And we pray today that as we read this word, that as we read from John, that you would not let us leave here today the same as when we arrived. Holy Spirit, we invite you to teach us. It's pretty sad when you're not the teacher. So we invite you to teach. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. John chapter 21, if you'd like to join along with me. And I'd like for you to try to imagine today being Peter. That's what we've done every time as we've gathered around the table and we've said, if we were at this table where Jesus was eating in this particular text, who would we be? And I want you today to imagine that you are Peter in this story in John chapter 21. I don't think that's very hard for us to do because we love Jesus. We want to serve Jesus. We want to follow him. We've had a few moments of standing boldly for him, haven't we? All of us have. And we've had some times that have been horrible in our life. We've had some humiliating moments just like Peter. And so I don't think it's very difficult for us to imagine being him. Let's try as we read. John 21, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. So there's seven of them. And Peter says, I'm going to go out and go fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught what? Nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends. Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Can you imagine how disappointed Peter must have been? Can you imagine? He had thought he was going to be One of the leaders with Jesus when Jesus overthrew the Romans. Can you imagine the great disappointment he felt that day? It's the kind of disappointment that maybe you felt that makes us go back. That's what Peter did. He's like, I'm so disappointed in what has happened. Let's just go fishing. Because that's what he knew. That's what he knew. And you've been there before, probably too, in your life. When you were so disappointed with whatever had happened, maybe you're even there today. 
You're so disappointed with certain things in your life. And all you know to do is just to go back. Go back maybe to that old job because the new one didn't work out. Go back to that other relationship that was unhealthy in the first place. Maybe where somebody was being abused. Go back to maybe my hometown. Because that's just all I know. i got to go somewhere, so I'll go back to my hometown. Or go back to an old habit, maybe it is, that I've tried hard to quit, but it's the only thing I know to help me cope. And so, there you are. You went back. You went back. That's what Peter did. I don't know what to do. Let's go fishing. And then, disappointment stacked on top of disappointment. You get back to that place, wherever it was that you went, and it doesn't have the same nostalgia it doesn't have the same pop it doesn't work anymore it's not the same as it used to be and now you're disappointed with the place you went back to that's what happened to peter here he is he goes back to fishing and catches nothing and part of the message today part of the message today of easter sunday is this if you're disappointed today if you're disappointed with yourself with your circumstances With what's happened in your life? What does Jesus say? Does he say, Well, you idiot. Well, you ignoramus. Well, you imbecile. No, he doesn't. He says one word. And what is it? Friend. Everybody say it out loud. One, two, three. Friend. That's what Jesus says to you today. He calls you friend. And he asks, How's that working out for you? Going back. How's it going? How's that going? Friend. You see, we might be thinking, we might be thinking that Jesus is this person that's pointing at us and he's catching us and, oh man, he he found out about this or that. Do you ever think about Jesus as your friend very often? Do you ever think about him that he loves you, that he wants the best for your life? Not that he's trying to keep you from doing something. I really struggled from this, especially, I struggled with this, especially when I was a teenager. Hey, teens. Hey, that's my new deal, remember? Hey. Hello, up here. Hey, hey guys. I especially struggled with this when I was you guys' age. I thought Jesus was not my friend. I thought he was the one who was taking stuff away from me. But don't you see, he wants your life to be the very best it can be. He wants your family to be as blessed as it can possibly be. He wants you to know how loved and secure His salvation is and how loved you are. He's your friend. That's the first word of the resurrection today from this text. Is that he says to Peter, friend. And he says to you today, friend. Chapter 21, verse 7. Let's keep going and see what happens. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord. He wrapped the outer garment around him for he had taken it off. And he jumped in the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat. They were towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning, a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask who are you they knew it was the lord jesus came he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish and this was now the third time jesus appeared to his disciples after he had raised from the dead it's interesting 
that this says burning coals. Most of these, most of the versions of the Bible, they say a charcoal fire. Jesus had a charcoal fire. There's only one other place in the whole Bible where that exact phrase, a charcoal fire, is ever mentioned. One place in the whole Bible. You know where it is? It's in John chapter 18. When Peter followed Jesus to the trial and he was in the courtyard and they were warming themselves around a charcoal fire. The only two places. And that's the place of humiliation for Peter. Humiliation. He denied him three times. Have you ever had a horrible experience and then you years later you see something or you're around something and it reminds you of that horrible experience? It brings the memory back. I'm sure that's what a charcoal fire would do for Peter for the rest of his life. So why? Why would Jesus... He could have done it anyway. He could have had him come on shore and they could have... You know, they, they could have had a, a gas grill. I mean, they didn't have gas grills back then, but he's Jesus. He could have done whatever he wanted, right? But he doesn't. He has a purposefully a charcoal fire. Is he trying to rub his nose in it? Is he trying to make him feel humiliated again? Is he trying to say, I told you so, Peter? No, he's not doing that. He's trying to let Peter know. Peter, I know exactly what you did. I know exactly what you did. And my love is bigger than your mistake. My love is bigger than your mistake. And, and, and some of you today need to hear that. God's love is bigger than your mistake. Whatever humiliating experience that you've had, that you've been through. Let me tell you something. We need to visit the charcoal fire every now and then. We need to remember it. And we need to be thankful for the fact that these are the words that Jesus says. Come have some breakfast. Come to the table, Peter. Come on, we're eating breakfast. And you are welcome at the table. Some of you today, in a few minutes, in just a little while, we're going to get up and we're all going to walk to these tables all around this, all around the, the church here. And we're going to take communion that way today by going and getting the communion. And some of you, when you walk to that table, you need to hear these words that Jesus is saying to you because you feel humiliated about things that have happened and things you've done. You need to hear this. Come have some breakfast. Come to the table. You are welcome at this table. His love is bigger than any mistake you've ever made in your entire life. First word is friend. The second word is come to the table. Let's see what happens after that. Verse 15. We won't read the whole thing. It's pretty lengthy, but we'll read just enough to get the idea when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. You see, Peter had had some big hopes, some big hopes about what the future was going to be like, but those had all died. And we might say, well, they died when Jesus died, and that's true, but Jesus has now been resurrected, and he already knows it. 
But he probably, even on this day, probably feels like his hopes are still dead. Because whatever Jesus is still going to do, Peter probably ain't a part of it. You don't include somebody who denied you three times in your big plans. They're out. They're out the back door. They're kicked to the curb. Forget them. And that's probably how Peter feels on this day. His hopes have died that he will get to be a part of God's plan and Jesus reign and rule and whatever he's going to do. He still doesn't completely understand it. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like there was a time when, yeah, I had some dreams. I had a hope. I I thought maybe I could do this for the Lord. But man, too much has happened. I've disappointed him too many times. I've done too many humiliating things. Those thoughts are dead. Those thoughts are gone. That'll never, ever happen. And what does Jesus have to say? What does he have to say to those of us who might get stuck in the past? You see, that's what can happen. We get stuck in the past in our mistakes And in the things that we did wrong. And we just wallow in that. And Jesus doesn't seem very interested in the past. Except for you to remember what you have done. So that you can know how much you've been forgiven of. He seems to be a lot more interested in the future than the past. He seems to be a lot more interested in saying to Peter and saying to you. Feed my sheep. What is he saying? He's saying to him join my work. A little bit later, a few verses later, he says, follow me. And that's what Jesus would say to you today. If you feel like, man, my hopes are dead of really being a part of God's kingdom and getting to really use my gifts, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, come join my work. I need your gifts. I need your talents. I need your heart. I need your love. Come. Come join my work. Follow me. These are the three things that we get out of John 21. He calls his friend. He calls us to come to the table some breakfast, and then he also, he calls us to come join his work. Man, it must have been a great, what a great, amazing breakfast for Peter, and what an amazing Savior for all of us. But you know, that was way back then, and this is now, right? That was way back then. What about now? Does the resurrected Christ matter to us today? Listen to Luke chapter 22. Listen to Luke 22 and verse 16. Actually, verse 15 and 16. Jesus said to them, this is at the Last Supper. Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I'm going to eat this with you tonight and I'm not going to eat it again with anybody until the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And let me ask you this question. Has the kingdom come? Yes, it has. Has it come completely? Not yet. So the answer is yes and not yet. The kingdom has come. The kingdom came on that first day of Pentecost when Peter preached that sermon and 3,000 people responded. The kingdom has come to this earth and the kingdom still comes to this earth every time. Well, you remember the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Say it with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time, every time that I choose to be obedient to God, every time I choose to trust Jesus, every time I say no to temptation, every time I say yes to compassion, the kingdom comes in my life as it is in heaven every time. The kingdom is here now. And so I don't completely understand this, and I've wrestled with this, and I've talked to some of you about it, and we've looked at some scriptures. 
And I don't completely understand everything about it. But I'll tell you this. Somehow, mysteriously, I believe that Jesus meets us today at this table right here. He meets us today. He's here. He's here with us because he said, I won't take it again until the kingdom comes. He's here with us. The resurrected Christ met Peter on the shore. And the resurrected Christ will meet you today mysteriously here in this bread and this wine. And if you come today and you're disappointed when you come to the table, his word to you is friend. If you come today and you've been humiliated, his word to you is have some breakfast. If you come today and your hope is done and dead, his word to you is follow me. Let's look to the future. I love the letter that I got to read from a young man who was in college. His name was Brian. This is what he writes. A few years ago, I left home and I went to Colorado State University. I was in a fraternity and I was majoring in partying. Some of us understand that experience from college. After three semesters... Reality came crashing in on me. I could no longer deny it. I had flunked four of my five classes. I knew I needed to make some changes. I needed to get out of the fraternity. I needed to make some new friends. But what I really needed to make the change in the most was my relationship with God. If he would still have me. In the frat house, there was not a single place for privacy so I could make a phone call to my parents and explain the failure that I had been. And so I went in the bathroom. That was the only private place. He said, in the bathroom, there was a stack of pornography so tall. He said, I didn't want to look at it, so I just sat on it like it was a chair. And I called my parents, and I explained to them that I had blown it in a lot of areas of my life, not just my grades, but also my walk with Christ, that I had strayed away from him. My parents listened to what I said as how he puts it, and then they had three words. He said, the words were not, told you so. The words were not, that's the consequences. He said, the words weren't even, we love you, or we forgive you. He said, the words to him were even better than those words. These were the three words that his parents said to him on the phone that day. Just come home just come home and today some of you need to hear those words some of you need to hear the words from the resurrected Christ when you come to the table just come home that's what he's saying when we meet him here in the past he prepared a meal for Peter around charcoal fire on the beach. In the present today, he prepared a meal for us right here of this bread and this wine with his broken body and his spilled blood. And I want to tell you one more thing. He's preparing one more meal for us in the future that's going to be a feast unlike any feast you or I could ever, ever imagine. I'm going to read you two quick verses that tell us just a tiny bit about that mystery. The first one is from Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse 29 and 30. Luke 22, 29 and 30. 
I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And one more in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11. This is one of my favorites. Matthew 8 verse 11. I say to you, many will come from the east and from the west and they'll take their place at the feast with Abraham Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That is a feast that you nor I could ever hope to prepare. But Jesus is preparing it for us right now today. Right now today. He says in Revelation 21. He says the, the king on the throne says I have made all things new. And I want to tell you this today. Now listen close because we could just hear that as some pie in the sky. When we get to heaven someday, all things will be new. new. But I want you to hear this. It's the most important part of what I have to say to you today. And that is this. On the shore, Jesus prepared a meal for Peter. And he made all things new for Peter that day. Today, Jesus has prepared a meal for you of bread and wine. And all things can be new today as you come to this table. And someday, all things are going to be completely made new when we celebrate with him in heaven, in the kingdom. And our response today to this message is going to be that we're going to sing some songs about heaven. And after we do that, Wyatt's going to give you some instructions and we're all going to take communion together at these tables. So come to the table. Let's stand and let's sing. Uh-huh.